Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the holiday special Source Material Comics Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Starcher, and celebrating the festivities with me, none other than the Radulich and Broadcasting Patriarch, Mark Radulich. Mark Radulich, you ready to talk Slayer this evening? I am. What was last year? Last year was... The last Christmas. Yes, right. I was just where updating that. Where I gave you my heart. <laughs> Probably for the very next it. day. But the very next day, you threw it away. So this year, we're talking Slayer. This is a comic book that came out in 2016, published by Action Lab Comics. Slayer, the heavy metal Santa Claus. And I understand exactly why you picked this up, just off that uh, subtitle alone. Mm-hmm. But this is, uh, this is a publisher I'd... I've heard of and I've never I don't think I've ever read anything from Action Lab. If I have, I don't recall it in the past. But our creative team, let me run that down here real quick. So our the art is by Axer Aeneas, words by Rob Harrington and Adam Horrigan, colors by Alessandro Alessi, letters by Chas, that's with or maybe Chase, with an exclamation point. That is legitimately his name, as it is assigned in this comic book. Chas exclamation point Pangburn. What, what was the deal? Why did you gravitate towards Slayer, the heavy metal Santa Claus, as if I need to ask? Well, back when um, I was looking for comic books to review, I knew we were going to need something for Christmas. So I would just like type in Christmas comics into a Google search. And right. I saw Slayer, the uh, the heavy metal Santa Claus. And I'm like, that seems very much a Jesse and I comic. <laughs> it's Christmas. It's heavy metal. What could possibly be happening in this comic i'll go through the synopsis of the whole all four issues i'm not gonna we're not gonna break it down issue by issue and then i'll throw some questions at you get your get your feel of things here now i wrote this all myself so hold your applause (laughs) santa claus has never headbanged so hard grandson of the og i'm saying he's the grandson of the og but i don't think it is because i think there is a there's a lineage of santa claus is santa claus i Santa Claus I. Santa's. We'll just go with Santa's. <laughs> uh, so there's like this lineage of Santa's uh, in this world. And Slayer just happens to be the new one. But his grandpa definitely reminds me of the OG that we're all used to. The, the big belly, rosy cheeks. But anyway, he's a grandson of uh, Santa Claus that we probably all know and love. Slayer has taken over the moniker of Saint Nick, but he's still a bad dude that fights evil, cruising around the world on his sentient chopper Blitzkrieg, making time to get gifts to all the believers out there. However, an enemy of the past looks to unleash chaos upon the world just as Christmas approaches. Lepalui, boy, I, I hope. Lepalui seeks to free his wicked wife, Grilla, from Santa's sack dimension so that she may once again reap the souls of bad children. Not only that, Lepalui sends the demonic snowman and his ice zombies to make trouble for Slayer. Will Slayer live to make things right for the world before Lepalui's plan to rip the spirit of giving out of the hearts of humanity becomes a reality? Well, we've got four issues to find out. So there's your overall synopsis. I mean, our main protagonist here is Slayer. What's your what's your thoughts of this guy? You know, I was thinking about, like, movies, and there's one coming up with David Harbour, Violent... Uh, right, Violent Night? Or by, by the time this comes out, uh, it will have already passed, but, like, like Violent... Yeah, Violent Night, you know, Bad Santa, that sort of thing. Like, there's definitely a cottage industry of, let's take the purity of Santa and dip it in vice. Oh, yeah. Dip it in sin. Yeah. You know, let's take something that is pure and good and brings joy to the good boys and girls of the world and make it naughty. I haven't watched Fat Man, but I know that we did that movie. last year. Je- Je- fucking Evan and I reviewed that last year. <laughs> was it good? Did you guys like it? I enjoyed it. Okay, all right. That's that's all I need. 
So when I think about like Slayer, the heavy metal Santa, it's definitely like you know your your premise is okay, but Santa, but what if he's a teenage dirtbag? Right. Yeah. You know, what what if he's like an old biker? And then there's some fun to be had with that. Uh, the other thing about Santa, and I've noticed this is like recent years where Santa is a magical uh, fighter of some kind. Right. Right. And like. Instead of just being a jolly old elf that brings toys to all the good boys and girls, he's some sort of like wizard warrior, you know, and he's out there fighting evil. This is a concept that has definitely caught on lately right. with creators of uh, movies and, and comics and books and all that. Go ahead. So that's what I was thinking. You know, as far as like this book in particular is concerned, it's yet another in a long line of what else can we do with Santa that makes it less good and pure right and like i'm not against the idea of like lobo but he's santa claus you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> riding around in a space motorcycle oh man the use of bastage left and right the other thing the other funny thing about it was he's also like the reluctant santa claus like like this is this was a, a duty that was placed on him reluctantly you know right. what i mean he he didn't really want to be santa but he knows that he has to be. So he's doing it. He's kind of doing it his way. He's not totally committed to it. He doesn't love it. And he's kind of having to go on this adventure against his will because he's Santa, because the villain of this thing is attacking the Santa Claus of the time. I was just going to say a very fish out of water. Yeah. Kind of feel because he's as you're following him through the book. Not only is he in a situation where, like, okay, this guy definitely doesn't fit the bill of the original Santa Claus we're used to, but he's also learning. He's been doing it for a couple years, I think, because he's made some friends with some of the elves. And I can't remember if by the end of the book he truly knows what it means to be Santa. I do know that along the way, he's like, I don't even want this job. Like, he's like Dante from Clarks. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that I enjoyed about him, I mean, it, it's it's kind of neat to see his rogues gallery. So I guess as a, you know, branching off of him, his rogues gallery is pretty cool. So it's cool to see this, this, you know, this beer swilling heavy metal Santa Claus going around on a mo magic motorcycle. And the first thing he's doing is fighting a Cardinal. That's about, uh, and I want to say a Cardinal, I'm not talking about a bird <laughs> talking about a, uh, uh, a religious figure. Can, can we talk about that for just a second? How like, oh, absolutely. Like, just the lowest fucking hanging fruit. Oh, it is. It like, really it, it's is. Anybody like, like, oh, let, let's attack the Catholic Church. Oh, they molest boys. Yep. Yeah, that's the only thing the Catholics have ever done wrong, ever. <laughs> I mean, that's the way you open this book, too. Mm -hmm. And I think that as far as making a statement about what your book's going to be, when you open it up with something like that, still, I think even then this is a little bit, you know, passe, I guess you'd say. Or, you know, it just felt like it was done. And it's a weird, like, Cardinal Lowe is a weird villain, Granted, he's doing bad things. That's the whole point of that first part is he's about to do something bad with a child. And then all of a sudden, like, Slayer drops in, and this dude has, like, his cardinal hat or whatever it is is an actual knife. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I mean, okay, that's weird. Uh, it's interesting, but... Weirdly, we that's, a, that's the most fun I've had in the book. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that, that guy. It kind of goes downhill after that. Yeah. I, I want to have some stuff to talk about when it comes to the humor, and I'm sure you will, too, of this book, because some of it lands and some of it doesn't. Yeah. And that's kind of what we get right at the beginning of this. So it's very indicative of what you're about to run you into. Know, narratively, uh, you know what it reminded me of? The new Lieutenant of Metal, where it's a little wordy, like overly wordy than it needed to be. Oh, yeah. You would think that somebody would have came along and said, cut that joke out. That joke needs to go. That one right there needs to go. But they hinge their hat on some of these jokes as being character development. Yeah. Um, specifically, like, 
Slayer's figuring out how to use his magic, I guess, by singing lyrics to songs. Okay, I I get the concept of that, but it's done horribly. I mean, if you that was another at, that, that was another new Lieutenant's of Metal gag. <laughs> right, right, yeah, because well, we got to work heavy metal in here. How are we going to do that? Right, I got an idea. <laughs> okay, fine, but the problem is, is like there's a point where. I think it's like in the fourth issue when you know, he's he's starting to get his, you know, I understand now I use these lyrics, I can unleash magic and this is my power. Great. Okay. But then he's like, he recites a version of Fuel, the Metallica song Fuel. Right. And it doesn't even match up. Cadence of the lyrics don't even match up with what that would have landed better if it would, if it would have just followed the cadence of the song, but still it didn't even anyway. They use that as character development for Slayer because throughout the rest of the issue, he's reciting these song lyrics that make absolutely no sense sometimes. Right. There's some weird stuff here they can't really get into, so I don't know if they're ever assuming at some point they're going to do another. They did say at the end of this, I, you know, tune in next season or something like that. But right. they talk about, like, he's got this whole, like, daddy issue thing going on, which doesn't really pan out. Uh, he talks a little bit about it. He talks to his mom about it. But we don't really know a whole lot as to why Slayer's dad is not in the picture other than just some enemies came after his mom, killed his, or uh, came after him, killed his wife, Slayer's mom, and then uh, Slayer's dad just quit. And that was it. Uh, it. It seems like he was hung up on that. Uh, maybe talking with his mom got, because there's a point where he gets knocked out or he goes into the sack dimension or something and talk, and he's talking to his mom. But anyway, he works through that. And then at that point, once he gets past that, he begins to get a little bit more powerful. Slayer starts to understand what he's supposed to do. But again, you know, he's got this weird little backstory that's going on. It doesn't seem to like really get fleshed out, but you got only got four issues. I was thinking about like uh, the crown and the, you know, the queen takes over for the king and she and it's way before she's ready for it. But the king is gone. He's abdicated his throne. Like there's there's no choice. She has to step into that role and she has to kind of like learn quickly and do it her way. And he doesn't totally track. But there's definitely that sense of like, I don't really want to be Santa Claus, but I don't really have a choice. And it's almost like he has to mature into the role and he's not quite there yet. Right. The other thing I kind of wanted to talk about here was the plot of this, the, the overall plot of this book. I feel like this is a plot we've seen before. Granted, it may not be beat for beat, but I mean, when you look at the overall part of this, this is like the world has lost its Christmas spirit and it's up to Santa Claus. Every to book it. we read, the, the, I feel like every year that we do a Christmas book, that's like a central premise is like the world has lost its Christmas spirit. There are some writers really working through some stuff out there, you know, and, yep. and here's the thing. I don't know how accurate that is because I do. Yeah, there, there's elements of commercialism in Christmas, no doubt. People still donate their time and their money and um, and toys to, you know, for causes. There's still plenty of like, hol I think there's so much focus on like the animus around the holidays that we forget that that for a lot of families and for, you know, in for very specific places, there's plenty of holiday spirit. But I guess that doesn't make for good storytelling. I don't know. It just kind of bothers me. I, I, I don't know why I, I went on that tangent. Like, the, the family guy did a, did a whole thing about that, too, where it's become so commercialized. And the whole thing was, like, Santa can't keep up with presents anymore. So, like, the elves are, like, hooked on drugs. And, you know, the reindeer have become cannibals and shit like that. And it's like, yeah, I get it. There are definitely elements of, there, you know, where certain kids maybe aren't grateful for what they for what they have. But I don't know. I feel like there's just as many that are. I think there's just as much Christmas spirit as, as there is the negative that a lot of these books tend to delve into. By the same token, I guess, 
if you're sitting there writing a comic book, you're not going to write about like the joy of Christmas. You're going to write about the, the negative stuff. I identify and understand the argument of commercialism during a holiday that you're supposed to actually be present and to use that word differently, mm -hmm. but you're supposed to be present. And, you know, this is something where uh, the holiday is supposed to be a time of actually being thankful for your friends and thankful for uh, being able to spend time with your family. Giving presents is great, but the presence or the CE of your friends being there should be the thing that you should focus on. And a lot of that I feel is lost. Now, that is not a justification of what we get in here because I feel like that is kind of a, a plot that's really overused and just like you said we everything we read seems to revolve around this i think it's also down to each individual family i know for us christmas time you know we sit around and we watch movies and we watch cartoons you know we have our you know trimming of the tree where we listen to you know crazy christmas music like i want a hippopotamus for christmas and dominic the italian christmas donkey you know, a, a classic around the Justice Doctor household, Homo Christmas. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Played every single day. Up That's actually the 12 days of Homo Christmas here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Leading up to Christmas. I want to be your Christmas days. queer. <laughs> I get it. Who doesn't? But, you know, but, I mean, I think you can almost insulate yourself from some of the nonsense out there. I mean, I will say this. My son and I did the, uh, the alternative commentary for Paul Blart. Yeah. More cop and a big part of the movie is like, okay, you know, it takes place on Black Friday. And Jonas is like, are we going to do Black Friday shopping? I'm like, we never do Black Friday shopping. We always, we always go pick out our Christmas tree. We have lunch and then we just kind of chill out at home. We don't engage in this ritual. But I know some people like that is what this time of year is all about. By, right. In a weird way, that's still part of like people's traditions and um, rituals, you know? Yeah. I'll, it doesn't necessarily reek of like spiritualism. It speaks of you know commercialism, but it's still something people do. You know, it's like watching football. Right. Football you isn't know, exactly I, a spiritual experience, but it's something people do on the holidays. I'm sitting there at work. Uh, this was a few years back when I was actually at work, and the the girls were like, "Okay, we we're getting together there. You know, six o'clock in the morning. We're going to be at the Walmart. You know, this is something that they got. They were ready to go in there and experience this together, and that's something right. that they'll be able to." talk about for years. You remember that year we went in there? And, and I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. That's something that you do with your family. Great. You know, that's that's perfectly fine. But I have always thought to myself, I would love to have a Christmas where we didn't do presents at all. Yeah. The concept is to enjoy as much time with your family as you can and be thankful and, and grateful for for that and enjoy their company instead of enjoying their presence. You um, T.S. We started talking about Santa before, and both my kids are now at an age where they're like, hmm, yeah. a little suspect, a little sketch. <laughs> a little sus. <laughs> and we had to have a conversation. Like, my daughter, you know, accepts the premise of Santa Claus like you would accept the premise of Jesus. You got to believe. Um, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter if this is for little kids. This is this is a part of our tradition. This is how we celebrate the holiday. You know, we just, we go along with it. My son, who's, you know, a little bit more logical... He's like, no, nah, this will make a lick of sense. And he's like about ready to be done with it. <laughs> and we have to remind him like, no, 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 no. We don't we don't reject believing in Santa Claus just because it doesn't sound. And again, I, that's why I always attribute it to Jesus Christ. Like you accept the Jesus mythology as part of your faith, no matter how ridiculous it sounds. Mm -hmm. 
you accept Santa Claus for that same reason. So, like, we go through, like, we still put out, you know, carrots and celery for the reindeer. But it's it's one of those things, just going back to the beginning of this conversation, it's like, it's one of those things that we do because it's a part of the holiday. It's a part of being a family. It's a part of the traditions that we hold dear. It's more than just about presents. And so I go all the way back to this comic book. I feel like some of the writers are, are you know, in, in comic book, uh, the comic book field, a little too cynical, a little wanting to take the piss out of things. Sure. A little too angry, you know, and they're not particularly reflective of the good things in their own lives. And so they're kind of just like lashing out at everyone else. And while I thought the story was mildly amusing, this also still feels like lashing out to me. So I think we've we've covered this. I want to talk real quick about my favorite parts of the book. And I don't know if you have any favorite parts of the book as well, mm-hmm. but I'll just throw these out here. OK, the good. Uh, I did like the art style. What do you think of the art style of this? Do you think it fit? Yeah, I mean... It's not. I, I don't think it's like the most high-end comic book art that I've seen, but okay. it's it's fine. You know, it, considering it's almost like a like a parody book, it right. works. Okay. We already talked about the story. I mean, I I did put in here that I thought it, that the story. It's a typical Santa saves the day type of Christmas story. The heavy metal bent's kind of neat. Uh, I, I think that there's something there. The execution though might be a a little tough to justify. Now. The humor in this, I, I have this listed under the good and the bad for me. <laughs> like, there is a mixed bag of humor. The jokes definitely don't land sometimes. I'll give you a specific example of how one joke in this book lands in both columns of the good and the bad. All right? <laughs> okay. Here we go. So, the demonic snowman, right? This dude, just, you know, simple-minded giant coming in there giving all sorts of hell to Slayer. And Slayer is, like, trying to fight this thing off and he comes up with this great idea i've got an idea let's reach into the sack i think it's the sack dimension he reaches into i think it's the sack he reaches in grabs this fire axe Mm. and promptly launches himself into the giant's mouth and comes directly out its ass he says looks like you needed some roughage (laughs) now okay number one him coming out of this from going mouth to ass with the axe. <laughs> it's great. It's a great visual. You never, it's never, hilarious. You ne- you never go ass to mouth, Jesse. You never go ass to mouth. <laughs> just, saying. Uh, just saying. The visual's great, but that joke was probably one. I, I it, No, I don't. It, it just it didn't land. You could have done something so much better. And if you notice on the front of the covers of these books, it says for mature readers. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, there there is not really... Other than some of the stuff that happens visually, there's not really a whole lot of language in this. If it's for mature readers, go all out. Go for it. I I wondered at first when I was reading this, just by the picture of what Slayer looked like prior to him becoming uh, the heavy metal Santa Claus, Mm -hmm. he looked like Lemmy. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if you, you remember, but he gives that one kid in the first issue that he saves a Motorhead album. In issue four, right at the beginning... So Gorilla's out there, and she's harvesting all these souls of these children. Yeah. And at one point, I swear, she snorts a kid's soul. (laughs) Like, legit puts something up to her nose. I couldn't tell. I looked over the photograph, like, a few times. Or the photograph. Looked over the panel a few times, and you could see her with something up to her. I can't tell if it's her lips or if it's her nose, but she, like, snorts. I swear, she snorts the kid's soul. Next thing would have to be Mark Radlich making an appearance in the book. (laughs) Running out with two bottles. I almost posted the second panel right after this because this fairly naked man running through with two bottles of beer. Oh, running that's through me, the man, Mr. <laughs> Public Nudity. 
I'll never again wear the pants. Woohoo! And he's got two bottles of beer in his hand. And then the next panel is him puking, which is pretty funny. I'm noticing a pattern with a lot of the stuff that, especially that you and I cover, where it starts off like okay and fairly simple and straightforward. And then as it goes on, it just sort of deteriorates into baby Thanos. Mm. Or baby mm. Dark Side, rather. Baby Dark Side. You know, and so by the end of the book, it's. It's so big. It's almost like the comic book writers, like they know they have to like go big for their conclusions. So they make them, they make them really broad. They make them really, you know, really big at the end. And it's like, I don't even know if you need all that much. Right. They, they wanted to focus on like the whole like Krampus thing. But I think there's a better story to be told about how he didn't want to be Santa. And then by the end of it, he's owning that identity. Right. He's okay with it. Right. I would have liked more focus on that, but I'm starting to feel like I, whenever I we review this stuff, like I'm kind of an outlier. That when I think about people who read comic books, they're like, no, 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 no. I wanted a big, broad, stupid ending. Big blue <laughs> laser in the sky. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we end on we end this with a cliffhanger. Like I mentioned, Disco Krampus shows up. So obviously, if there's ever going to be another, if there's ever going to be another set of Slayer, the heavy metal Santa Claus, it's going to feature this villain. But I have no idea if that's ever planned or or that was 2016. I don't think we've ever got anything after that. So that's six years ago. Overall, for me, I mean, it, it had its moments. There was something there that they could have done a lot, a lot more with, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, so that's it, man. That's all I got. It's Slayer, the heavy metal Santa Claus. We did it. We did it in a half hour, too. A little bit at, about about a half hour. Let's do a list. We're like casual heroes, man. Yeah. That, hey, listen, if they ain't going to use it, which they haven't used it, and what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. think the casual heroes have put, out an, have put out a new podcast in fucking years, so we're good. I, I see them post on TikTok all the time. That's about it. They ain't, um, doing, they ain't doing podcasts, I'll tell you that much. Yes, sir. So we're going to talk about CBR.com's 10 weirdest appearances of Santa Claus in comics. Now, I know that you said you're sitting at your computer right now, right? Yep. All right, here we go. I'm going to share my screen. And we're just going to look. Ah, the 10 weirdest appearances of Santa Claus in comics. Did I look through this list already? No. Was I inspired by Shark Prostitute? Yes. All right. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> ten, uh, number 10, Superman's Christmas Adventure. Clark Kent and Lois Lane are assigned a Christmas story by the planet, Daily Planet. And what ensues is an adventure that ends with an unexpected change of heart. Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie. Oh, boy. When was this? I'm not even going to, I mean, you could tell just by the art style, this is probably a golden age type of deal. Um, I know you hung out with magazines and monsters. Billy D. He brought me on to talk about fucking Blackula. That's right. Billy always talks about zany Bob Haney. He had, there are some weird stuff that happens in Bob Haney's comics. And this is stuff from like the sixties and seventies. I'm pretty sure. So this is a creator that did a lot. uh, I think, Evan was talking with him about a Batman comic that Zany Bob Haney did. And those are the kind of stories that we got out of DC back in the day that really stuck out. Some weirdo stuff. Now, Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meany, that, I mean, that almost feels, that reeks of like 60s, 70s comics to me. But anyway, all right, number nine, moving on. The Marvel Holiday Special from 2005, okay? Marvel's 2005 Holiday Special features an odd story titled, Yes, Virginia, There is a Sandtron, okay? The premise revolves around a robotic Santa created by Virgie Hanlon. You know that guy, right? That is set loose and immediately becomes the antagonist. Virgie's creation comes about thanks to the utter disappointment she felt when she learned that Santa Claus wasn't real. That's sad. All right. Number eight out of ten. Justice League of America, 110. Look at that. Who murdered Santa Claus? (laughs) 
<laughs> that dead Santa Claus right on, right on the front cover as the Justice League sit around trying to figure out, is there a dead reindeer? Oh, that's a sack. Okay. Uh, not, not his actual sack, but his sack right there on the side. I'm just leaving it at that. My goodness. Dead Santa Claus, 1973. You might recognize that cover. Well, yeah, actually, I do. Hulk versus Santa. You ever, uh, and from Incredible Hulk number 378? I vaguely remember this from that run. Uh, that's Gray Hulk. I can't tell who the artist is. I want to say that's a Dale Keown piece right there. And the infamous Marvel villain Rhino decides to steal a Santa Claus costume and interact with children at a mall. What could possibly go wrong? Well, one of the kids realizes that something is off about Santa and mentions it to his father. Bruce Banner overhears this claim and sneaks away to the bathroom to transform. They trade blows all over the shopping center until they... (laughs) (laughs) Only in comics would would Santa, strength for strength, be able to go toe-to-toe with the Hulk. Right. (laughs) You can see that's Gray Hulk. They they trade blows all over the shopping center until they encounter a sad little girl who's terrified by their fighting. All right. JLA number 60. Wow. Okay, so I can't tell if that's the... I don't know who that dude is that's got Santa Claus by the jaw. If a stubborn child refuses to adhere to their bedtime, try telling them an innovative story about Santa Claus joining the Justice League. This is the approach that Plastic Man committed to in Merry Christmas Justice League. Now die. All right. Number five. Oh, I have this comic. I can't remember what in the world happens in it. That is definitely some McFarlane right there on the front cover. Yeah, it is. Peter Parker and Mary Jane, Amazing Spider-Man number 314. Peter Parker and Mary Jane are evicted from their condo, and they are, for all intents and purposes, homeless. They stumble upon a purse-snatching incident near Central Park, and Peter changes into a spider gear, chasing the mugger and returning the woman's valuables. At the same time, trouble is brewing. The story peaks when Clark and his men take a store, say, in a hostage so they can escape with an armored car full of money. Spider-Man leaps into action, rounding up most of the men until Clark threatens to shoot him. Santa sneaks up behind with the criminal, whacks him on the bag with a... Whacks him on the head with a bag of money, not on the bag. <laughs> Don't whack him on the bag. Uh, effectively saving the day. All right. Number four, JSA number 55. Hawkman, Green Lantern, and the Flash and Wildcat head to New Hampshire to complete a mission. On the way there, they come up, come upon a Santa Claus helping a family whose car had broken down. As a result, he was running late to his shift at a department store. Santa eventually arrives at the mall where a group of thugs cause a disturbance and the superheroes eventually arrive to handle it. In the midst of the madness, it's revealed that Santa is actually the original Red Tornado. Ma Hunkle. Ma Hunkle, Mark Radulich. What do you think? It, like, it sounds like Samoan or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> the bloodline. <laughs> the bloodline. There we Roman, go. Roman Reigns, the oozes, and Ma Hunkle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Number three, Sensational She-Hulk. Boo, Sensational She-Hulk. Why does it have to be a She-Hulk? He's already a He-Hulk. He's here to help She-Hulk convict the most maniacal serial killer in New York City. I like the fact that you're not even addressing what I just said. What did you you say? Why is there a She-Hulk? Why is there a She-Hulk where we already have a He-Hulk? The He-Hulk. I watched that show. It's good. Yep. You Uh, watched that show? You didn't didn't immediately, like, your body didn't immediately produce a vagina? You (laughs) didn't get erectile dysfunction? Let me check. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't give you erectile dysfunction? No. I hear that it did that, though, to some people. So did uh, you watch fucking Jeff's uh, review of Black Panther last night? No. Huh. He's freaking out about that, too. About Black Panther? Like, what yeah. What happened there? Did people they all get fucking hate they, in that? They, everybody fucking hates Ironheart. That's why. Oh. Because it's already an Iron Man. Why do we need black girl Iron, Iron Man? That's uh, why. Oh, come on. Wait, we cannot get fucking past this. We, as a culture, cannot get past 
gender and race swapping for any character. That is... What's weird... Here's the thing. What's weird is that you had Iron Man, but you also had War Machine. Right. which Which was essentially race swapped Iron Man. Right. And I don't think anybody was protesting back then. No. So then you're like, okay, well, how about a black girl Iron person? Like somehow no. that's no. crossing a line. No, she's missing something there. What is it? It's penis. That's correct. <laughs> when Mark or Mark, it was me and Mark. Me and you covered a She-Hulk issue. It was me and Evan. That would be the, the Evan Bevins. <laughs> Evan Bevin. The, the Evan Bevins. The Evan Bevins. Some language, Evan Bevins. That's right. Uh, he walks with Jesus. <laughs> Evan Bevins. We covered a Steve Gerber written She-Hulk series from the 90s. It is probably top five, some of the funniest shit I've read. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you have a character like She-Hulk, if you get a good writer to tell a good story, you're going to enjoy it. If you can who get historically asked, has been a very serious character. Yeah, who, I mean... Who is in some of the most serious storylines in the history right, of the Marvel right. comic books. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And some of the stuff that she gets criticized for is when she does become serious. That's yeah. what's funny. Is well, I mean, There was like a, a recently a Savage She-Hulk comic that I don't think did well because like this isn't really She-Hulk. Right. 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 Except, you know, so like, all right, well, we'll do a show that's the tenor of the comic book. Fuck this show. It gives gives me erectile dysfunction. The Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special. You can go back in the archives and hear that. And it is a great book, actually. That Santa is face down ass up. (laughs) It's a great. uh, We we also watched the I think this is the one that they had a movie. Somebody did a small like YouTube. Well, it's released Mm -hmm. on YouTube. Uh, movie. So if anybody has the chance, go out and and check it out. It's it's actually done very well. So yeah, number two, I agree. It's a good book. This one is probably the most iconic to me, and probably one of the ones that I remember the most. I I, I wasn't alive in 1973, but I can tell you that if I would have seen Dead Santa on the cover of a comic, that would probably be number two. But <laughs> <laughs> regardless, number one is the Marvel Holiday Spectacular 2009. Let's see what happens here. The plot Does of Santa this Marvel- have the fucking Infinity Gauntlet. He does. It looks like he does. I told you letting Santa Claus use the Infinity Gauntlet was a bad idea. (laughs) Thanks, Doctor Strange. The plot (laughs) of this Marvel holiday spectacular involves Santa Claus, the Illuminati, and the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, St. Nick asked the Illuminati if he could borrow the Infinity Gauntlet to make his Christmas deliveries on time since his reindeer ended up being scrolls. That's a problem. That does happen every once in a while. Uh, Santa lets the overwhelming power, this is typical Infinity Gauntlet fare right here, go to his head almost immediately, and he has to be defeated in order for his common sense to return. Power corrupts. You know that, Mark? I like the that you have to throw Santa beginning for him to... <laughs> Yeah, for his common be, sense to return, just to, to fucking hit him over the head. He just beat his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you that that tracks for me? Okay. But sometimes, right. in order to get people to fucking use your use your brains, you have to hit them side the fucking head. I mean, have you ever heard of the term "knock some sense into somebody"? Yep. There you go. There you go. It's That's the scenario. Uh so yeah, they beat Santa's ass. Jesse, what do you want for Christmas this year? Uh, what do I want for Christmas this year? Want to know what I want? Tell me. Um, I want a membership to the clothing optional resort. <laughs> a membership? Yep. A membership. Yeah, so, so, I, don't keep, so I, don't, I don't have to keep paying like the uh, the fee to get in the, the day fee. What's the cover charge on like doing that? Like, well, wait a second. You can't call it a cover charge if it's a uh, clothing optional. I cover the entrance fee, sir. Oh, okay. All right. I get it. <laughs> don't be cute. Speaking of, don't be cute hor- with me. Speaking of horrible humor. Listen. Jackass. Um, so if you are a single man, it's like astronomical, it's like $125. If you're a right. couple, 
Wait, it's oh, okay. less than that. And then if you're a single woman, you know, it's like they fucking throw rose petals and you know they usher you inside. You're so that's crazy. what I want. Oh, yeah, no. I want. I want a. Uh, I want a membership to the Golding Optional Resort in Lakeland, uh, Land Lakes. How often are you are you considering using this? I mean, obviously, a membership. You get a membership. Like, if you get a membership to a gym, you got to be committed to using this thing. The last time we went was Labor Day weekend. It was okay. one hundred twenty five dollars a couple because that, it was a Labor, that Day, Labor Day sale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we haven't been, but we've been super busy. But I would like to think that going into twenty twenty three, seeing as my life isn't changing anytime soon, I'll probably go a little bit more often. Now I like being there, so. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean that's nice. Uh, what are okay aside from potential naked bodies, which that you yeah. know you've already told me that that's something that you know you get used to it. You're just like, oh, that dude's naked. All right. I mean, what are the what are the the other perks. Hey, did I tell you they actually like made a rule because of us? Is <laughs> something to do with inebriation? It's got to be. Yeah, they they literally yeah. fucking established a rule because of what Melissa did. They call it the rattleage rule. <laughs> Not the first time a rule has been established because of a, something rattleage has done. By the way, <laughs> I'm so proud of That's her terrible so behavior. Great, man. <laughs> Oh, man. They have a picture of you and your wife on <laughs> some kind of thing under the desk. Yeah. Like, be aware. Sure. Be aware. Don't don't refuse entry. Just be aware. It makes you fucking make a big sobriety test. Touch their <laughs> nose. Touch it. Touch their nose. <laughs> oh, that's great. All um, right. I, I don't know if the playroom is open or not. I know it got shut down due to some, like, code violation or whatever. Um, So it may, might be open again. It might not be. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's, like a, it's just like a place to go, you know, a place to go and relax. It's, it's like, Dude, you know what would be oh, great? What? The owners need to, like, install black lights on that piece. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it look like, looks like how Caverns with all the stalagmites. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. As an adult, right, okay. you got to look for places to hang out. You can go to a coffee shop. You can go to a bar. You can go to the adult playhouse. Yeah. You can go to the adult playhouse that's not necessarily completely sex oriented, but sexy people hang out there, which mm-hmm. is where I prefer to be. Or you can go to the nude resort. I'm just saying, Jesse, you got, you got to have options in life. Hey, as long as you use your membership, that's the thing. If you got yeah. a membership for Christmas, yeah. that's that's the whole thing. You've got to use that thing. I think we have beat this list to death, much like uh, Santa Claus with the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, sir. We have whooped its ass. So let's talk about. Uh, what's, I mean, do you even have a schedule for right now? I mean, for when this is going up? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, assuming it stays the same tomorrow, we'll be re-releasing our Long Road to Ruin that you and I did for Gremlins. Oh, yeah. That's my, um, one of my first Long Road to Ruins, if not the first. Wednesday night, we're reviewing Avatar The Way of the Water. Saturday night, myself, Gavin, and Pat Mullen, in theory, we'll be doing a History of Boxing podcast for Diego Corrales versus Jose Luis Castillo. It's like the only thing in the world Gavin actually still likes. <laughs> and then over Christmas, we're going to do we're going to re-release some stuff. We got uh, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy on Christmas Eve. And then remember, Jesse, when we did We Miss You a, a Metal Christmas? Oh, I do. Doom. I do. Speaking of that. Yeah. Yeah. We were yeah. just talking about that. OK. Oh, I'm going to re-release that on Christmas Day. So that's <sighs> what's going on the next couple of days. Well, hey, you know, I don't have any idea what's going on other than this show being released right around Christmas time. I'm sure that you have a Stanley tribute coming Stan, out. Uh, yeah, Stanley. And, and actually, uh, we are recording that tomorrow. Evan and I are getting together and we're focusing on three issues that Stanley wrote. We're also covering our top five personal top five because I don't want to speak for anybody else, but our personal top five Stanley cameos. Uh, so if you had if you had your favorite Stanley cameo, could you come up with it off the top of your head? 
Um, I like the one in the Hulk where he gets some gamma poisoning from drinking a soda. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I just uh, watched Mallrats recently. There uh, you go. There you go. That's, you know, that's... He seems to be obsessed with superheroes genitalia. <laughs> that's going to be... Line. Yep, yep, yep. I got a third one. Okay, all right. Big Bang Theory. Yo, oh. You fanboys always coming up to my house. Never, well... Never, I've never watched The Big Bang Theory, so I did not know. I'm going to have to, like, do some research before tomorrow ends mm-hmm. and uh, come up with some. So. All right. Yeah. Well, then you're just going to have to wait, Mark, to hear mine. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay. Evan Bevins and I are going to do our some top language. five. Some language, Evan Bevins. I hope he cusses the whole time. That would be great. <laughs> Evan just, Bevins. It just comes up on the podcast. I'd like to first say, fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm turning over a new leaf at the end of the year, <laughs> the beginning of the next one. I am now... All language, Evan. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Anyway, check that out. Stan Lee, worth paying tribute. The man has been 100 years old, I believe. And I think we're tying that in with the Superblog team-up, so might as well throw a plug out there for them, too. Ladies and gentlemen, happy holidays. That's Mark Radlich over there. I don't know if he has pants on or not. It's clothing optional here at the Source I'm Material definitely Podcast. definitely not wearing underwear. I am wearing shorts, though. Okay. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's Commando Mark Radlich. Goddamn right. <laughs> He doesn't have to wear the pants no more. I'm Jesse Starcher. We're out of here. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a great Christmas. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon. That, 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 that's almost too easy because you know what I'm going to pick. <laughs> hee-haw, hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw. You ever get stuck in the sack dimension, Mark? <laughs> I am always stuck in the sack dimension. <laughs> it's rather large and spacious. The dude that plays Machete from Reindeer Games, and I, this is an obscure re- reference to Reindeer Games, but he's looking through the paper. It says here the retail industry does 50% of its business between December 1st and December 25th. That's half a year's business in one month's time. That seems to me an intelligent country would legislate a second such gift-given holiday. (laughs) Create, say, a Christmas too, late May, early June, to further stimulate growth. Ever since you've been going to night school, you've been giving me headaches, Jumpy. Christmas too. You got an elf on the shelf down there at the Rattlich house? I know I've asked you this question. No, we don't do the okay. elf on the shelf. All right. Just curious. <laughs> Though there's, I've seen a lot of TikTok lately. It's like, you've heard of elf on the shelf? How about unstable on a table? Okay, this is getting cut out. But Colton's like, Dad, what was the elf's name from last year? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is something Mindy takes care of. Can you do a supercut later of all the time she takes Zach on this podcast? <laughs> You leave it at that so you don't get in trouble. Or she doesn't poison you later, okay? That's the key. Don't get poisoned. Okay, got it. God damn it, Ziggy, get your dick off my screen. Oh, the monsters and... I almost said monsters and magnets. Because I'm an ally of the black community. I am Uh, transracial. Okay. It's cat. (laughs) Meow. Flushing the penis. It's cat. Meow. Flushing the penis. (laughs) It was probably legitimately close to... I don't know how many more qualifiers I can put in front of this. You shove your Captain Marvel into people's faces. Oh, all the time. All the time. Suck Suck my Captain Marvel. I could do podcasting for at least 10 years and never learn how to speak correctly. You know what I'd like? To get through a podcast and having to think about what I'm doing with my day. (laughs) I don't know how many 
podcasts we have done where your penis has come up. This year. Matter of fact, I'm adding it to the spreadsheet soon. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's dick, yes? No. Yep, no, yes, no. <laughs>